Hey, thanks for taking a listen to My Millennial Money. My name is Glenn James. I'm the host of this podcast and I have some exciting news. The name of this podcast has changed to This Is Money. If you want to stay up to date with our most recent episodes, then search for This Is Money wherever you're listening to this podcast. Our focus stays the same. We want to help you live the life you want on your own terms. So subscribe to This Is Money for more episodes. But for now, enjoy the episode. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and you are... John Pigeon. And thank you for listening to the podcast. My pleasure. Okay. I was talking to the listeners, but <laughs> thanks, John. Just at the outset, before you press stop, because you're not in your 40s, you will still learn from this episode. Totally, you will. We were umming and ahhing about doing this podcast episode on the 40s because the average age of the listener is 27. Yeah. But we put it in the Facebook group and people... I think 90% of people wanted an episode about managing money in their 40s. Oh, for sure. Which is good because imagine nailing all the stuff that people have said you should do in your 40s yeah. in your 20s or 30s. Well, that's You're going to be right. light years ahead, right? Yeah, and I, I liken it to when I was in my 30s, anything I saw with the word retirement on it, I was like, nah, not, not, not ready for that stuff yet. I'll read it in 15 years' time. Mm. When I hit 40, I'm like, gee, I'm, I'm actually only – maybe 20 years from it, I'm going to start taking an interest in it. But naive of me, I should have been looking at it way earlier. Yeah. So you ready to have a chat about these issues, John? Let's do it. All right. All right. I first want to run right out of the gate with a point that is for every decade. If you're in consumer debt, you need to break that cycle ASAP and get out of consumer debt. Yes. So that's a motherhood statement if you're 20, 30s or 40s. And if, if you're in it in your 40s, something's happened. Well, I don't know if something's happened. I think it's you've just been on autopilot with wrong with the wrong habits for a prolonged yeah. period of time. Yeah. You've bought into the lie that you need consumer debt to buy crap. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. And and that's it's I, just I don't know if like I'll just finish because I want to get your view on this, but I don't know if we can say you've done something wrong because if you don't know, you don't know. No, I don't think you've done something wrong. It's just, for me, I think it's maturity. By the time you get to 40, you're usually mature enough to realise the rights and wrongs in life. In the 20s, it's a bit more forgivable. 30s, yeah, is a bit of a, a, I suppose, a fallout from the 20s. But, um, yeah, without putting an age or a year on it, um, you usually, maturity level's a little bit higher by then, so you're probably more aware. Yeah. Yeah, but that was just a blanket kind of thing that I wanted to start with. Uh, But what I did, I thought I put it on my own personal Facebook and LinkedIn and I said, if you're over 50 years old, what do you wish you did in your 40s financially that you didn't do? Yeah. Um, Kate McCallum, who actually got coming on the podcast next week's episode, she wrote and said, invest in coaching for my business sooner when I did the additional revenue and uh, lower risk, uh, repaid the outlay within three months and then it was just all upside. Nice. So yeah. take that risk. If you've got a business, invest in it. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Robertson, Nate's dad, said buy more land. Yeah, so Bruce. Bruce in his maybe over 55, I think. Yeah, okay. And so he's saying he wish you bought more land. What, for sheep and cattle, Nate, or is it just for uh, build houses on? Or? <laughs> friends, uh, family friends of mine, Debbie and George Bowden from up on the North Coast said, buy another rental property and if if they have to, work another job to pay it off. So increase income and invest mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. in that in the prior, 40s. In the yeah. 40s. Um, Terry Johnson, colleague of mine, uh, to do more study, it's painful when you're 50 and he wish he did it in his 20s. Yeah. That's an um, interesting one. Scott Douglas, uh, who you've met. Yes. Hey, Scott. Big Scotty. He's a bit loose, but he's a good guy. <laughs> um, he's actually helped listeners of the show. Yeah. Uh, he said, buy the Glenn James spending plan. <laughs> Did he? Uh. And then Vince Scully from Life Sherpa. I texted him this morning. I was chatting to him and I said, what do you reckon in your 40s? And he said, well, you're at your peak income. Yeah. If not, you soon will be. So make sure you're even more intentional with your spending. Yes. Because realistically, if you're in your early 20s and you might own 50 grand a year, oh, it's loose, we're having fun, awesome. Yeah. If you have that loose, we're having fun, it's awesome and you're earning 100 grand, there's a bigger percentage that's just frivolous. Yeah, totally. And I think that's um, part of what I'm going to say, but I'll say it now, is 
a lot of clients that I meet that are forties or even late thirties on really, really strong incomes, as they've got pay rises over time, they've just spent yeah, they the haven't saved any more. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really critical one. So I guess how we're framing this episode and I'll be the first to say I'm not in my forties. Make that loud and clear. <laughs> Yet. Yet. I want to chat to John. You know, he's in his early 40s. He's got kids. Glad and, you said early. Yeah, that's all right. And I want to talk to you about, I guess, the lifestyle things because mm. honestly, guys, if you think lifestyle has no correlation to money, I don't know what planet you're living on. Mm. So that's kind of why I want, to, I want to talk about the lifestyle stuff with John. And then I'm going to move into uh, the money stuff and yep. then we're going to talk about kids and then we're going to talk about health and stuff that matters. The first point, and I did get John to email his points this morning, be present with partnering kids. So hmm. talk to us about that. Yeah, and I suppose it relates to a little bit about what Vince said in Maxim, you're probably at your highest earning potential, right, or have been there for a little bit of time or about to enter into that. Usually when that's happening, you can be really up and about and excited about how much money's being uh, being earned. Um, and whether it's self-employed or, or working for wages, if that's the case, there, there may be more hours being spent in that workplace. Mm. So it usually comes at a time whilst we've got our highest earning potential, it usually comes at a time in life where if we're planning on having a partner and kids – that you're right in the trenches at that stage, right? So you've got highest earning potential and you've got family. And maybe the – would you say it can also be the most time poor part of your life? Yeah, and that that's what I mean. That's what I'm leading to and I say you need to be present because otherwise it can all just roll into each other where you work, you come home, you're a bit of a zombie, you're sort of half present – uh, at the dinner table, you, you, you're trying to read a book as the kids are going to sleep and, and – or to them, I mean. And then you might have 10 minutes with your partner before you go to bed yourself and then you flake out and do it all again. So I don't want to scare people off that are in their 20s with no family or kids and say don't do it, but I just – Well, you're doing a bloody good job. <laughs> Glenn's shaking his head, starting to sweat. But I think – You've really got to be. You've got to define the areas of your life. Now, I don't like to say uh, a work-life balance. I don't think it should be that. It's just a balanced life. So, being present means well. And I suffer from it a bit myself. Is is when I walk through the door, the phone might still ring, and I might have to take a call. And or I call you on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Glenn thinks I work seven days a week like him. Um, well, I do, but I've got to also be present when mm. I'm actually there. Um, with the family and and getting that quality time with them. Yeah, because you mentioned the family lifestyle cycle and the importance of, I guess, recognising that. Yeah, and I suppose I can tie that in as well if you want, is you've got to be present with the family and the, and the partner and and know that they're getting the best version of you through those years because maximising those years, especially from the kids' point of view, you only get that chance once. Once they're 18 or even maybe 16, they're essentially moving on from that part of your life. So it's a really chunk, a really important chunk of the, your life where you want to maximise it from their point of view. But you also got this highest earning potential period as well because you may have done extra study and you've climbed the ladder or your business has grown. So it's a bit of an interesting part of your life. I, I think it's so exciting from one angle, but you could also – from the other angle, say, well, no, I'm actually going to bed things down and just be present with the the family. Once they're out of the home, then I'll think about growing my wealth or earning more money or whatever that may be. But in my mind, that's too late. But I think you've got to also be aware of your own proclivity to the things that you do. So, for example, sure, I work seven days a week. Mm. I'm just so wired. I'm a doer. I'm a worker. I've always got stuff I want to do and build. Yeah. Um, I'm really aware of that. And like even I think last Saturday I had a laptop free day, for yeah. example. Yeah. So I think having it front of mind. So I guess what I'm saying, if you are 
So it will be really hard for me to have kids. Yeah, and and that's probably what I'm leading to there is I'm the same. Like I would work and Amy would um, agree with me here. I would work 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day if I had the choice, right? Now, I could still do that now, but it'd be a, to detriment to my family. And and then you've got to ask yourself, well, what's it all for? Why yeah. are you doing all this? Yeah. So there's there's a bit of selfishness in there as well. Have you ever looked at stuff like, you know, the mindfulness stuff? So when you, you know, you're, you've left the office, you've had a full out, full full on day, mm. you get home, you sit in the driveway for two seconds, just breathe, mindfulness, yeah. reset because dad's got to come home, yeah. not John the highly strung, highly paid yeah. executive or whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, and without this being all about me, I think it's um, – I I have the ability to transition pretty well um, and my eldest is 11, so I've had 11 years of practice too. So mm. – but I think going back to that family life stage cycle, um, sorry, family lifestyle cycle that I call it, you've got, it might start as late as, or as early as your late 20s into your 30s where you've got a permanent partner which then may lead to um, marriage and honeymoon and then that then may lend itself to kids which means babies and prams and everything else. And then that'll lead to uh, schools, which will then lead to teenagers. That essentially is a 20 to 25-year period of your life, right? Now, Jeez. Yeah, you're sweating even more now, I am. So that 20 to 25-year period, a lot can happen in that time. Like you buy a property day one when you first get married, right? That property in 25 years' time will have grown substantially. If you don't do anything in that 25-year period, you've also lost a massive amount of time to create wealth for the latter years of your life when you don't want to work as much. Yeah, and and the time's going to pass anyway. Correct. So, So I'm just going to make a note because I'm going to – I'll swing back around to this when we talk about, you know, the hard kind of practical money things. So, you say here continue investing in yourself – and financially. So yeah. sure, we'll we'll cover the financial part. That's given that mm. we're a money podcast. Um, and it was interesting, Terry, who's in his 50s, uh, said he's doing his studies now. So yeah. obviously, he's had to redo some study for whatever reason. And the older we get, the harder it is to form new habits. Mm. So I think it's, what do you mean? Like, is it formally go and do a degree or if you find a hobby, um, can you do a, a course online to just get the neuro pathways retriggered? Yeah, yeah. Triggered? I don't know. What do you yeah. mean? It's probably not so much the whole let's get a degree and upskill. It's more about continually investing in yourself so you're becoming a better version of yourself at all times and you're aware of maybe areas that you need to spend time improving in if that's if that makes sense. Yeah. So, Because I think, again, going back to that lifestyle cycle of, of kids – is and and probably more so. Uh, don't want to discriminate here, but the the wife will generally spend more time with the kids over their journey than the than the husband, um, and they're very giving of themselves to the kids and neglect themselves. Mm. So continually investing in yourself, whether that be your own health, whether you're mentally your own interests and hobbies, whether that be in the workplace um, to to make sure that you're continuing to think about yourself as well through that period and not just come out the other side just a, a, a ragged mess. Mm. And I think that's – it's funny like I know plenty of um, families where maybe the the woman is the higher income earner mm. or even it's it could be a same-sex household. Yes. So I think it's just important – in a relationship, whatever you way you slice it, usually there'll be in one half of the equation someone, most cases, because opposites attract, yep. there'll be a differences in each side of the relationship. Yeah. So I think it's just like knowing, again, the proclivity to I'm a hard worker so I won't be here, I'm at yeah. work. Yeah. And the other partner is at home with the kids. That's right. Who doesn't have the career, quote unquote, mindset. Yeah. But it's a, it, it, you would argue more of an important career 
in that career of bringing up the kids. Totally. Like it's just um, it's just understanding and and having empathy for everyone who's around you through that period because, yeah, and what we're witnessing here is usually in your twenties, you it's you. And, and somewhat in your 30s, it may still be just you to think about. Now it's just a complete different mindset change where you still may have been a giving person through your 20s and 30s, but now not only is it like giving, it's actually sharing, it's, it's, um, it's growing together, it's expanding on what you've, what you've already done. Experiences are not things. Yeah, so again, family lifestyle cycle, you you're probably going to be buying prams, you, you uh, maybe upgrade the car, you, you might get a caravan, you might have to get a bigger house because of kids or wants or needs. Um, I, I think if you're, if, if you're thinking about continuing to grow your financial wealth through this period, then you, a good way to go about it is to provide the family with experiences that don't necessarily cost as much as things that potentially aren't going to get you ahead financially, right? So those things that I'm talking about that may may not get you ahead financially is um, upgrading the car for no reason at all, right? Um, buying a caravan or a, I don't know, jet ski or, or, or those, yeah, those discretional so 10 items. 10-grand Disneyland trip. Yeah, so experiences where it might be, okay, we're going away for two weeks and we're going to camp under the stars or something like that or we or we go for bushwalks or we um, ride our bikes or just, just giving giving the, the family experiences rather than just thinking that a, that a new Xbox or a, a new iPhone is going to – is giving mm-hmm. um, when mm-hmm. financially it's, it can actually ruin people. I'm going to leave your fifth point here until we get into the money part next. But I I had a point and I just added it to your list because it kind of fit into the lifestyle section. And again, I'm not in my 40s. I don't have kids, but I've coached hundreds of um, of people of all ages yep. uh, up to their 80s and I had a client who was 92 once. Uh, so just from my experience, I, I kind of wrote down – you know, review your joint goals if you're a couple, if you have been stuck in kid mode for 10 years. Because mm. how fast does 10 years go, right? Totally. So talk to me about uh, yourself and Amy and the joint goals and was there a period of time where, oh, we've looked up, it's been five years mm. and we forgot that we had this dream or this goal eight years ago or something like that. Yeah. I, d- I don't think we necessarily sit down uh, every twelve months, and and just revisit our goals and and aspirations. But I think it's ongoing conversations that we'll talk about generally, and that again <laughs> comes uh, part of being present with each other and having that downtime to yourselves. And when mm. the, when the kids aren't around, but um, I, I think they do change over time, and and it's it's combining each each person's values together to aspire to something as a as a family but like I can honestly say at the moment for us it's it's about it is definitely giving the kids those experiences and being as present as possible and making sure that we're giving them the best start to life as possible as a as a focus if we move on to the money stuff now you said reduce bad debt mortgage and we'll throw um any consumer debt in there as well increase cash flow, reduce tax, increase assets. So I guess if I gave you a microphone and said, give us a couple of minutes of Mm. your thoughts around a lot going on in the 40s. Yeah. And particularly, like if you are single in your 40s, sure, you're going to have different challenges and opportunities than someone who's got a family. Yeah. Uh, But I think we can all learn from this. So, yeah. What would you say around the financially stuff? Yeah, so single or family doesn't matter with those four points. I think you should be doing all four of them. Um, and age doesn't matter with those and four points. And age doesn't matter, no. The only difference is with the age is you might not have your own mortgage first. You might just have investment properties and sure. be renting. But any case, your two biggest, biggest expenses in your life are your mortgage and the taxes you pay, mm. undoubtedly. The difference is you don't see the tax you pay because it comes out before you've 
uh, get the, get money in the bank. So I think trying to reduce your mortgage and the taxes is a massive start to your financial future. So if you can continually be doing those two things, uh, then fantastic. But you've also got to increase your cash flow for your your life buffers and your um, and retirement essentially. Mm. And then the fourth one of increasing assets is a bit of a byproduct of reducing taxes. You don't go specifically to reduce taxes as a number one strategy, but it's a byproduct of increasing your assets. Yeah, and we'll talk about um, super. So, for example, if you salary sacrificed ten grand to super, yeah, you might be saving. Um, I don't know, I'll make a number up, two grand a year in tax. Yeah. Well, realistically, that two grand that you're saving in tax will be invested anyway. That's right. Yeah, for sure. So it's a double-edged sword in a good way. It is in a good way, yeah. And that that's the same as your property and your shares. And So you're increasing your assets, you're increasing your cash flow, you're reducing your mortgage and you're reducing your taxes. Yep. All four of those and the critical part to all this is all four at any one time not one and then we'll wait till our mortgage is gone and now we'll go and increase our assets. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about that. Um, well, I'll first say one of my points was review your mortgages if it hasn't been done in years. So if you've had a mortgage or you've got a mortgage and you set it up with a bank eight years ago and started a family and you just pay it, I think you need to talk to a mortgage broker and just run their eyes over it. Um, yep. and just review. That's yep. all I'm saying. For sure. But on the investment property stuff, and a lot of people want to buy an investment property, if you're in your 40s and for this conversation, we'll assume that you're in a relationship and you might have one or two uh, spawn, you know, mm-hmm. walking around the house. Yes. Is it hard to get into an investment property? Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. No. What are the things that you see that people trip up on, I guess, and it could even just be a mindset thing. Like yeah. what's the the biggest barrier? Yeah. Because I want you to talk about your online academy as well because that will talk to the education bit that Terry was uh, talking about. But yeah, what's the yeah. biggest barrier? So I think two things stop people from investing and this could be shares, property, gold, whatever. One is the ability to lend or, or um, have deposits and two is mindset risk profile, right? I've never done it before. It freaks me out, usually because I haven't got the education or the knowledge, so I'll just do nothing, right? Mm. Now, it's the second one that probably stops most people. The risk profile. The risk profile. Mm. So I think the finance is, well, if we go back to Vince's point, we're at our highest earnings or getting close to it. So our servicing should be quite strong. If we've got some equity in our own home or we've saved up some cash over the years, we should have our deposits there ready to go. So that side of it generally should be pretty good unless we've covered ourselves with uh, high car loans, caravans, discretional spending, bad debts, etc. So if that side of it's sorted, then the risk profile is, well, how do I What's the worst that can happen understanding that and am I comfortable with that and then bridging the gap of knowledge which gives us the confidence to take the step? And I think it's important. It's like let's build our financial house the right way. Yeah. So last episode when we talked about the 30s, uh, we talked about the sound financial house that I developed to talk with clients and, you know, the foundations, you know, you want to be debt-free, you want to have your protection plan, you want your wills and estate plan. Mm. Then you want to, you know, really nail down those lifestyle things. It could be start a family, it could start a business. Yeah. Then you want to do your investing. So I think it's just important to really understand like, yes, we want to look at some lifestyle goals, mm. but I think it's different to say buying a caravan is just a really bad want as a luxury as opposed to as a family, we would value buying a caravan and driving around Australia for a year. Yeah. I, I don't know if you – do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, so totally. it's like So I guess what I'm saying is if the goal is we want to get a caravan just because it's a luxury and we might use it once a year, yeah. worry about getting your investing underway first. Correct. Because it will be harder to invest 
once you commit your cash flow yeah. and your savings to things that are luxuries. Yeah, and hire a caravan for a week a or year. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that came yeah. out right, but no, that that's absolutely correct. Like I know people that, and I love them for doing this. Um, they buy a caravan, uh, go and travel around Australia for twelve months, and rent their home out. Like they're actually making money traveling around the Is country. There a caravan boom at the moment because my parents just bought one and they're sixty five. Yeah, like every client that I ever kind of met in their sixties, or I won't say that because it's been dramatic, but yeah, probably fifty to seventy to eighty percent of people retiring wanted to buy a caravan. Yeah, I'm now seeing young families want to do the caravan thing. Yeah. Is that because, in your experience, travel and accommodation just way too expensive? Um, yeah, I think. A number of things like they're they're over camping, like as in putting up a tent. They got three kids and they want to keep them safe at night, and it's less less hassle while they've got kids. Um, and then obviously because of COVID, not many people can get on a plane, so I can travel two hours up the road instead, hook a caravan on. But yeah, that's my. And if someone asks that, I guess. in the Facebook group and tags John. Just ask this question. Tell us about your caravan rental business, John. We, we don't have time for <laughs> this that. This wasn't geared towards it. No, it, it. wasn't. No. Um, okay, so I guess just to bookend that little part, make sure, you know, if you do want to invest, make sure you really work out the trade-off first. It's like absolutely we want to do X, but, yeah, it's probably more of a luxury. Yeah. Let's get the investing campaign sorted first, yeah. then we'll swing back around to luxuries. That's right. Yeah. And it's a little bit of, um, I I like to compare it against going overseas as well as buying an investment property. Do I mm. buy it first, get it done and then go overseas or do I go overseas first and then try and get it when I get yeah. back? Like, yeah. usually- On the education thing, you've got an online uh, property and I guess Finance Academy. Mm -hmm. Just give us a 30-second elevator pitch and I'll move on. Yeah, so it focuses a lot on the foundations of your life. So your goal and habit setting, obviously understanding your cash flows, reading yourself of your debts, all that sort of basic stuff that we talk about, but then expanding to how do I find my own home to live in? How do I how do I find investment properties? How do I strategize to identify locations around the country? How do I create my own eight-point strategy that we talk about and then rounding that out with a, a longer term wealth. Plan. And we'll put a link in the show notes. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. I've put for my next money point, um, see a financial advisor, okay? And it goes back to the risk profile and the unknowns because some of you might only be 10 or 15 years away from age 60. So, you need to get in the room with somebody and say, hey, by this age, this is what we want it to look like. Yeah. You've got to act it now. Yeah, totally. And they'll help you with the tax side of it whether we invest in super, whether we pay down the mortgage, they'll model it out. They'll mm. they'll pretty much say, okay, you've got $500 a month left over. I'm just making up a number. Mm. If you put $500 a month onto your mortgage, this is the net result. And then they can run another scenario. If you put $500 a month into super, this is the net result. Yeah, They might do a third one. If you did $250 a month into super and $250 a month onto your mortgage, mortgage. this is the result. Yeah. So, you don't have time when it comes to strategy and investing once you're into your 40s yeah. if you really want to maximize that investing tax optimization. Yeah. So, the reason I want you to also see a financial advisor is I want you to prepare, if you have not done already, a love letter for your family. Yes. And do you know what the best love letter is, John? A will. Nah, that's a bit boring. I want to be a bit more dramatic. Um, open the love letter. And the first words are policy schedule. <laughs> yes. Life insured, John yes. Pigeon. Beneficiary, Amy Pigeon. Yes. Sum insured, $1.8 million. Yes. I don't know how much insurance you got. Yeah. So I want to be very clear if you're in your 40s and yeah, sure, forget about 
uh, income protection. Forget about trauma. I'm being dramatic, everyone. Don't take this as gospel. I'm being dramatic. Mm. Forget about trauma. Forget about bloody get life insurance. And if you want an example of what life insurance can do, there's an episode. We'll put this in the show notes if you're listening, Jess and Nath. Uh, the episode I did with my friend Mel Forsyth. Uh, because if you were in the studio, you can actually see a little photo of Simon there. I don't know if you can see it. Um, He was in his early 40s, heart attack, see ya. And the difference of him having life insurance changed their life. Yeah, financial stress. Please, you need to, you know, as I said, forget about all that other insurance. Like if you're tight ass and you don't want to pay for insurance, that's cool, whatever, death cover. Yeah, get your life. If yeah. you've got debt and dependence. So. Yeah, yeah. And just on that from a personal point of view, I think TBD is even more important in my view because the person's still around. Totally. Now, so it's an extra, not a, oh, well, it is a burden, isn't it, really, when you've got to look after that person as well as be financially secure. Yeah, but I think the reason I just, kind of be dramatic and go, forget all that. If you just do anything, just yeah. do death cover. Yeah. Because if you died, that's even more dramatic for your family. Yeah, that's right. Where if you were completely disabled and couldn't work ever again, mm. I mean, it's still bad if you weren't insured. Yeah. But if you were disabled, for example, uh, and you had to – get a ramp installed yeah. or you, you, you were quadriplegic or something that had a horrendous accident, mm. you still might have a chance to generate an income. That's yeah. what I'm kind of saying. still here. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, please don't make your perfect be the enemy of my good when I'm trying <laughs> to say this stuff. The reason I want you to see a financial advisor as well, if you've got old super products or any other legacy products like whole of life policies, there are some old life insurance policies that are probably not competitive. There are old super policies. Like if you're in your 40s and you've still got the old fund that your employee set up for you in 19 dickety two, um, <laughs> you're probably paying 2% more in fees than what you need to. Yeah. There's a chance. And, and the default super too. Um, yeah. Default insurance. There are old um, AMP products and it's nothing against AMP because it's fact where they had a contributions um, fee. So right. you put money in and there was a 5% fee. Wow. How is that legal? Well, yeah. It's just, but they're just not around anymore, those yeah. products. So you just really have to review that. I want you to talk um, about, well, I want you to talk with your spouse and with your financial advisor about the spouse contribution to super and the, uh, the co-contribution for lower income earners. So if there was a relationship and your partner is a lower income earner, if they put $1,000 of their own money in or the household money into their super, they would get $500 from the government. So that's just an extra bit of free money. Easy. And also if the uh, – and you'll have to look at the ATO website, just Google spouse contribution and co-contribution uh, because they'll have the exact thresholds. The spouse contribution, if the lower income earner spouse um, has a super fund – and then the higher income earner spouse puts $3,000 into their super fund, the higher income earner will get a, a $500 tax offset. Mm. So Easy there, are, there are ways with super, particularly um, if there is a stay-at-home parent that, or someone who just is happy to chill and not yeah. you know, work a full-time job, um, that's all good. Yeah. So just um, can I just go back a little bit there? Yeah, sure. Just on that... Through again, through your forties, if there is one of you staying at home or just maybe working one or two days a week, um, how much of an impact that can make on your lending? Um, like you spoke or asked about the two biggest issues, and I said lending and risk profile. I had an incident uh, about a month ago where um, the the stay at home mum was working one day a week, and the, the husband didn't actually put that in as income for borrowing, right? Just left it off because it was a bit of casual income and it wasn't. Oh, they didn't think it was material? Yeah, didn't think it was a, a massive issue. In any case, that um, we then found that out and added that back in and it went to a second um, day a week and the difference was about 100K. 
in in earnings in, in borrowing in borrowings because yeah. that tipping point of running costs of your life versus surplus funds was her two days a week. Mm. So that's what it bumped it up so much. So just um, understanding that as well, it may mean, yeah, if you can manage that a couple of days a week, the rest at home um, versus the whole daycare thing. And here's one as well, and I can't talk about daycare because I don't know that much about it, but in terms of money stuff, if you are a family and you've got, Prado, <laughs> talking about John, <laughs> so, and you've got the loan for the Prado, and the Prado payment is twelve hundred dollars a month or whatever it is. Yep. And the lower income partners working two days a week part time do the numbers, and you probably see that the lower income earner is just working to pay the car payment. That's right. So yeah. just really have a look at your life when you look at it that way. Yeah. It's like if we didn't have a car payment, could the lower income earner just be a full-time parent? Yeah, but they are a good drive. I've heard, So I've heard. Yeah. 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 No, it's getting getting things in order. And just uh, as a global look at it, fast-forwarding your life 10 or 15 years and saying, well, if I had to look back on that, what would I have changed? And I think like you, you messaged out the 50s and what they would have done differently – why didn't they do things differently? Was it because they didn't know it was an option or they were just scared or... Or just got caught in the, the cycles of Correct. life. Yeah. yeah. So I think we've got to fast forward out 15, 20 years and, and then bring ourselves And this is what back. I was... Like I wrote down the, the time's passing anyway. So you'll remember we sat down with a couple, you actually won't remember until I tell you, um, and I won't mention their name, uh, one of the partners had really good income, owned their house, equity in the house. They all day long could have purchased an investment property, did a tax withholding adjustment with their employer. So, and what basically what that is, if, if you get an investment property and there might be some gearing and you might get a, a $10,000 tax return at the end of the year, make an adjustment with your employer so you get an extra $200 a week in your pay. So yep. it kind of keeps the cash flow happening. Yeah. We know looking into the situation that all day long, they could have purchased an investment property and no brainer. Like yep. looking in equity in the house, really good income yep. without even factoring in the, the lower income earners income at all, if any. Mm. But the risk profile and the mindset just couldn't get there. Yeah. I wonder if that person now, 10 years later, 15 years later in their 40s, mm-hmm. will turn around and say, I wish we did that. Because, and this is why I harped on about the online academy, you just need to get that information because I think you'll find it is possible. Yeah. And when we've coached people, I always say, don't worry about the fear and the unknown, just gather data. Yeah. And having a clarity call with John is a data gathering process. Mm chatting with a mortgage broker to say, hey, if we did this, yeah. is it possible? Yeah. You don't have to do it, but you're just getting data yeah. and then you just lay it out on the table go, okay, here are some options. This is possible. Yeah. They're all layers of confidence, aren't they? Yeah. So, to, to the point where so, you're And that's, ready. I guess, the, the time's passing anyway. So I want you to also consider in the money stuff, if there is surplus income, consider salary sacrificing to super mm. uh, because you've got – $25,000 a year, including your 9.5% employer contribution to contribute pre-tax yep. into super. So that's just a, a really easy way. And again, a financial advisor would look at that in the strategy. Um, I want you to consider, and the advisor would help with this as well, investments in your own name to bridge the gap between your preservation age, and I'll explain this when I finish, and the retirement age of your choice. Yep. So ask me, John, what do you mean by that, Glenn? What do you mean by preservation age? I'm glad you asked. So to get money out of super, a couple of things have to happen. There is a condition of release and a preservation age. Mm. So a condition of release could be obtaining preservation age. A condition of release could be uh, you're permanently retired yep. and over 65. A condition of release could be you're permanently disabled. 
So a condition of release we know has been uh, medical help yep. or fu- financial, uh, financial hardship. hardship. And just recently, a temporary condition of release yeah. is um, the COVID. COVID stuff with the 20 grand. So a lot of people think I can't retire until I'm 67 and a half because that's the age you retire. Yeah. No, no, no. That's the age that you can apply for the government's social security benefit mm. or the pension. aged pension. So, number one, you can retire whenever you want. Yes. You just need the money to live off. Mm. You can retire tomorrow, but where are you going to get money to put food on your table? Ongoing, yeah. So, the thing is, there's usually two ages. So, age 60, if you permanently retire at the moment, you can access money from your super. Then, at age 67, you can apply for the age pension. Mm -hmm. So, the retirement age in Australia, do you know what that is, John? Retirement age is 67? For the pension, you mean? No, 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 no. And this is the trap. It's what is the retirement age in Australia? For what though? To retire from the workforce. 65. Why? It's whenever you want. I suppose. But it's tomorrow? like tomorrow. Mm. You can retire tomorrow, but where are you going to get money from? Yeah. So, and this is this whole thing. There is no retirement age in Australia. Mm. There is an age where you can apply for the age pension and there's also an age where you can access your super. Yeah. So, I guess what I'm saying, can you look at investments in your own name, whether it's an investment property, yeah. to pay off before age 60? So, at least if the investment property is paid off, we, we can retire, quote unquote, at age 55 and get the rent from that property. Yeah. I think continuing on from that, it's it's being able to leverage your money through the, the 30s and 40s to be able to get the fruits of that when you're 60, right? Totally. So, you don't need to own things outright. And I think that that's a massive misconception for a lot of people is – Yes, it's great to have no mortgage on your own home because that's all bad debts, non-tax deductible, not income producing, et cetera. But income, uh, investment properties, sorry, you could have five properties that are leveraged at 50%, meaning you've got a 50% debt against them mm. and all giving you $100 a week cash flow, right? There's $500 a week coming into your life, but you've still got a 50% debt on that property. Mm. So- yeah, the, that leveraging of money early days is critical, I think. Yeah, so I guess to round out the money stuff, if you did have a little share account or investment property in your own name, you could go, all right, well, I'm 50 years old now. I only want to work three days a week yeah. and I'm going to draw the other two days worth of income from my share account Yep. or the dividends off my share account. Then that will deplete when I'm age depleted over the next 10 years. Then at age 60... I can pull down my super. Yeah. Then at age 67, if I've under the asset threshold, then I can get the government pension. As well, yeah. So, it's a good point. There is no retirement age in Australia. Mm. There are only ages to qualify for the age pension and ages to qualify for uh, accessing your super. Yeah, it is a good point. Yeah. It's a banger point, John. Ah, so the... On that, I think whether it's 40s, whether it's 30s, when it's 20s, and we talk about this all the time, is enjoying what you're doing and maximising what you're doing now. Totally. So if you're in a job that you're disgruntled with or stressed or the boss is annoying you or whatever, change it, right? You've got the power to change that because in 20 years' time, if you look back and say, why did I stay in that position so long? It's your own fault. Mm -hmm. So without being too harsh... Um, that's where you need to make changes now. This episode's going to go for longer than our usual 45, 50 minutes, everyone. So strap in. Strap in. And yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. We'll just start again. <laughs> All right, from the top. <laughs> All right. So now I want to talk, John, about kids, I'm not really qualified, but just some observations that I've made that I'll bounce off you and probably we've only got another 15 minutes or so of this episode. Okay. So I want to know is, you know, we've talked about all this money stuff in your 40s. I want to have like the generosity discussion 
and charitable giving and within your household, can you, if the parents or even if you're single, like have you actively gone, I need to be generous? And can you use that if you do have kids to be a bit of a teaching point that we don't just spend all our money, we don't just invest all our money, we donate some of our money because of these reasons? Yeah, I think so. I think if you're critically looking at your own self, uh, kids are the best moral compass you can have because you've, when you're around them, you've got to be the best version of you. Do they pick up any hypocrisies? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a great time in your life to just um, take stock of that and just to show them the true values in life that, that you live for. And, and that may change over time when you've got the kids as well. But generally they're inquisitive beasts so they'll be asking lots of questions they'll get an understanding they'll make observations as you're driving or walking down the street of uh, who they see around them and uh, as a result of that there's such uh, such prominent learnings going on uh, and one of those is obviously giving mm. now that can come in a, a way a number of versions as you know yeah i've just wrote you know maybe it's time to have some healthy aged appropriate money discussions with yep. the kids. So yep. I don't know if you've got a four-year-old, you're not going to talk about compounding interest and ETF funds, but <laughs> you might just have the concept that mummy and daddy or whoever goes to work or your grandpa, he works because you know, yeah. he gets money. I don't know. Yeah, and that's a massive one. Like putting money on the table as a talking point is is critical, I think, regardless of their age. But we're, we're in the process of designing a, a school education-based financial learning thing and one thing I do with our kids is if they get pocket money or if they get money from family for birthday or Christmas, if they um, save it, I'll match it dollar for dollar. So that that gives them the philosophy of that. Yeah, that's that's good because my next point was cars. You know, I was talking Grace, uh, my niece and my nephews, Jeffrey and James were in the studio the other day and we put a funny video up on, um, I think it's on the YouTube and in yeah. the Facebook group and you know, I said to Grace, like, what are you going to do about a car? Because you're 10 years old now. You might want a car in six years. So I kind of have the suggestion that talk about the car savings account, maybe at whatever age, 10, 12, 13, and then do the parental match. So, hey, if you save three grand for a car, I'll match it up to five grand or something like that. So, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're actually... Well, with my 11-year-old, we're having a discussion of house, not so much car. Although he wants a car, we're talking about, well, how can we actually buy a house? Perfect. Um, so whatever it is, it's it's just if you're putting money aside versus putting spending it discretionally, you're going to come out with a better result, aren't you? Yeah, and I guess it's just some regions like, you know, when you've got a 16-year-old and they've got their peas, mm. there might have to be another car. So whether yeah. you fund that. And and actually, John, that's really interesting. Maybe the parents make the decision, we would rather educate the kid, have them save to buy an investment account, shares, property or whatever. Yeah. And we'll just flick them a car as a gift or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like just hang your hat on. Obviously, the money's got to be there. But is the big thing is I want the kids to save for an investment. And if you want to save for a car... If you save two grand, we'll match it up to five or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll carve it out of that bucket of funds that they've been saving for the last 15 years. That's a good discussion. Yeah. Um, And I'm kind of writing like there's a lot of people uh, that listen, might be in their late 40s that have working age kids in the house. Um, Maybe develop, um, number one, I wrote down a bit of a flight plan, like as in, you know, and maybe it might just be for the parents, but like you and Amy might chat, you know, when your kids are in their mid to late teens, you know, what age do we kind of want these kids to spread their wings? You know, sure, we're happy for them to be in the house if they are studying, yeah. but if they are working full time and don't do the uni route, you're out of here by 26 for your own good or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think personally, we're very open-minded about the kids' education and where they want to go like university is not a be all and end all um own trade is fine just as long as they're following what they consider their passion or their enjoyment at the time is the critical part um but yeah i think 
like we give them a we give all of our three kids a vocational day once a term uh, with one of us so they can go and spend a day at work to get a feel for just what happens in the workforce. Was that when one of your kids came to the studio and just made noise the whole time? That's right. Yeah, that was the youngest so. one. Yeah. But the oldest one, for example, went to, <laughs> went to Third Eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the construction yeah. site. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I usually bring the loudest one to your Yeah, thank place. you. Appreciate it. And then I was thinking if you do have the working aged kids, maybe charge them some board. And if you don't know, like, oh, we don't know, just do 10% of whatever they earn mm. and then sit down with them and help them develop a spending plan. Yeah. And and some parents I know will put the 10% back into general revenue because it's like, well, yeah. you bloody eat like a yeah. horse. hungry horse or whatever. <laughs> or some parents who might be more well-off might allocate that money to a separate savings account, yeah. which then they just hand it back over as a 21st present. That's right. Here's all the board you were paying. Yeah. Um, you can have it on one condition. It goes into an investable asset. Yeah. Because it's your money. You can yeah. put conditions on it. That's right. It's like, you want my money? Yeah. There's conditions. And it's or, in my name. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever that is. Um, yeah. And then investing for kids, you know, chat to the financial advisor about investment bonds mm. and options around that. Yep. Um, yeah. And I has, I sat down with a financial advisor a few years ago. Oh, did you? Yeah, mapped one out. Right. And so we've got all three kids in one of and those. And how was that experience? It was amazing. Mm. Absolutely first class. Right. I'd recommend him if he was still um, practicing. Oh, who was that? Um, Glenn someone. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Um, and then it goes without saying, if you want to send your kids to a private school, they cost money. Mm. And it goes back to the trade-offs. Yes, I did an exercise with uh, clients of mine uh, who are also clients of yours back in the day. Mm-hmm. $467,000 it was going to cost in after-tax dollars for their three kids. Mm. So that's uh, need – well, they wanted that as a priority in their life. But And that's – and this is the amazing thing about personal finance. It's like our priority is to put the kids through private education yeah. for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, you want them in a Christian school, Catholic school, yes, whatever, private grammar school. And we know our first investment is pumping 35 grand a year yeah. into schooling. But the freaking second that those kids leave there, that 35 grand a year is going into assets. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've had that conversation. They need to spend or they need to earn conservatively 700 grand to get that 460 odd grand. So So yeah. there you have it. I want to move on now and that's the key stuff. And again, this episode we're just throwing stuff out there that you can think about, get the yeah. the cogs spinning. And I've titled this little section Health and Stuff That Matters. Health and Stuff That Matters. So Firstly, if you have not been to your GP for a million years and you're in your 40s, please go to your GP and say, I'm in my 40s. I haven't been to a GP. I don't know how to spell GP. Mm. Can you please do a checkup on me? Yes. Run some bloods, do a skin check. Yeah. And just because if you, if you don't get on top of this, stuff will happen that could cost you money. Totally. Or your life. Yeah. Worst case. Yeah. Like an old car, as it gets older, needs more Wears attention. Out. And I'll share a story, not on this podcast, but I'll do another one about a bit of a health thing that happened to me, yes. which was a little bit alarming, but it's okay, under control. Uh, I will share that just in the interest of time. I won't now, because if I didn't pick it up now, yeah. I might not have made my 40s. No. Maybe. I don't know. It's wild, right? So yeah, we want absolutely. you to make you if you're in your forties, we want you want we want you to make your fifties. So please, so if you haven't been to your GP, just book it in. The next one, wills and estate planning. You've got to get your wills and your power of attorney. Imperative. Like just, I was looking the solicitor that I use, Aubrey Brown at Tugra. They'll help anyone over Australia. I think for a couple set of wills and power of attorney over each other, I think it was like seven hundred bucks or something. Yeah. Like it wasn't expensive. No, nah, do it once. Off. To it right. Yeah. And the power of attorney is good because if, um, for example, John was in a car accident and he was uh, unconscious, Amy's got the power to make decisions financially on his behalf yep. still. 
Um, so still, <laughs> still. <laughs> still has the power has over the me. Power. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. That yeah, well done. I just uh, I surprised myself. And then I, I just wanted to finish in your forties. If you do have aging parents, you know what's the plan? Maybe do you need to talk to your siblings? Maybe you need to have some conversations with your parents. I would suggest looking at uh, power of attorney over your parents yeah. and having the chat around the wills for your parents. I've got power of attorney over my parents, pretty sure. Yep. Documents are in the- <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah, the documents are in the drawer over there. Yeah. And that's a joint one, my sister and I. Yeah, and, and just on that quickly, mm-hmm. it may be a time that you enter where there could be some inheritance come in, unfortunately, mm. uh, where, yeah, you get a windfall, but someone's died as a result. Because you're at that age, right, some 40s or 50s where grandma or unfortunately a parent might um, uh, move on. So it's important that you have a clear strategy um, not to plan that coming along. It's a bonus when it does come along and then make sure you do something well Mm. with it. So there you go, everyone. I'm going to finish the episode there, John, in the interest of time. We won't do Same. the community member of the week or I had some fun stuff for the after party, but we'll do that at another episode. Yeah, uh, but we hope it's been encouraging for you. If you're in your 40s, it can be an exciting time of your life. I've been told, wouldn't know because I make best. it clear I'm not in my 40s. Life begins at 40, Glenn. I can't wait till I get there in a handful of years. Yeah. And I guess what are the key takeaways for you from this episode, John? Ah, well, all the points that I raised, basically. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, it, it's the, that family lifestyle cycle. If you're going to go through it or if you're just starting out in it, just realise th- that you need to think about all important aspects of it and, and fast forward 20 years, what would you have liked to have achieved if you looked back with no regrets? And I'll finish with this. Whatever age you are at, do the you of tomorrow a favour today. Yes. So... With my investment properties, I'm doing the Glen of age 60, 65 a favor today. And what that means is when I'm I'm not buying an, an investment property, I'm buying an asset that's a future income stream. Yeah, a cash so, cow. So the more of these little pockets that I have spitting out $500 a week mm. is better for me in 30 years. That's right. Absolutely. And yeah. keep away from consumer debt. Keep away from toxic people in your life I don't know what, I don't know why I said that must yeah. have had to say it but, but just and you're not as old as the person you feel <laughs> I'm going alright see you guys see you bye. bye we acknowledge the Awabakal people traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past present and emerging we extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and you're joined by John Pigeon, of course. Hi, John. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Uh, (laughs) John's on his phone, whatever. Uh, Let's uh, rock and roll. Let's Let's press press record and get this thing going. (laughs) Friday afternoon, we've got things to do. And I've got a 3.30 coming in an hour, so that's good. Perfect. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and you are... John Pigeon. And thank you for listening to the podcast. My pleasure. Okay. I was talking to the listeners, but <laughs> thanks, John. Did you end up listening to the Dave Ramsey interview I did? Yes. You did? Yeah. Not all of it, but I, I got <laughs> this off. <laughs> He's like the third biggest podcaster in the world. I know. I he know. was on our show and yeah. you just brushed over it. Do you know how busy I am? Okay. What are you, the president, are you? <laughs> so the first point, and I did get John to email his points this morning. And can you use my email address, not the other one, please? 
Um, don't answer that. It's just a comment. And how's <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>, this black? <laughs> oh, I love the feedback. Someone said, "Be be more nice to John." Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, whoever that was. Yeah, but I will say, if you're hearing any jokes that I make with John, it it means we've. Uh, it's it's all good. We've made it. <laughs> there's, there's been some stuff we haven't put up, but <laughs> we're good. Yeah, we um, haven't come to blows. 